Welcome to the Steady On Podcast, where God's hard truth meets your hard story. I don't need to tell you that life gets hard. Life gets hard, really hard. But God's faithfulness is still active and alive in our hard. And these episodes are dedicated to remembering and claiming the promises of a faithful God. I'm your host, Angie Bauman. I'm a pastor and Bible teacher, founder of Steady On Ministries, and creator of the Step-by-Step Bible Study Method. But more than that, I'm a trauma and abuse survivor who carried a heavy weight of shame and worthlessness for many years, and I still struggle, but I live in much more freedom now because I know God through His Word and speak truth to the lies of the enemy with His Word. And that's what we do here. On Mondays, we take it in by studying the promises of God, And on Wednesdays, we live it out with teaching and testimony on the promises of God. So thank you for tuning in, my friend. You are the reason for this show, and I'm so very, very glad you are here. Let's get started. Welcome. Today, we're going to take it in with 2 Corinthians 10.5 using my step-by-step Bible study method, and you will find links to a study sheet as well as videos for the step-by-step masterclass in today's show notes if you'd like to learn more. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So we were actually in 2 Corinthians 10 just two weeks ago. We discussed 2 Corinthians 10.12, which reminds us to not compare ourselves with things other than God's standards. And today we look a few verses above that to talk about taking our thoughts captive. So just a little bit of a book overview on 2 Corinthians. The Passion Translation says this, and always you can find all the resources I use to put an episode together in today's show notes if you'd like to take a look at those. But the Passion Translation says this about 2 Corinthians. You are about to read a book written by a man who suffered for the cause of Christ, a man who knew trouble and how to overcome in victory. I just love that. And of course, they're talking about our author, the Apostle Paul. The recipients of this letter was the worthy Corinthian church. Paul had been to Corinth and stayed for about 18 months. We learn about that in Acts chapter 18. And during his time there, he established this church. The date of the writing is somewhere between AD 55 and 57. And Paul in this letter is urging the church to stand with him in ministry, live in holiness, and give generously. Chapter 10, where we're focusing in today is about how to judge an apostle. And we're in the section that's asking the question, does Paul walk according to the flesh? So again, our verse is chapter 10, verse five. And it says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Step one in the Bible study method is to choose our word, and our word today is captive. Captive is a verb that means to capture. Some synonyms for captive are things like behind bars, apprehend, arrested, captured, caught, confined, imprisoned, incarcerated. I think it's so interesting to like imprison or incarcerate our thoughts, right? Like we are putting them somewhere that they cannot break free. And an antonym for captive is free. And free is what our thoughts are so often, isn't it? We give them free range to go wherever they want to go. And that leads us into scary and like demoralizing places. But the good news is this, 
We don't have to live that way. Step two is investigate. We divide that into four parts. Part one is to compare our word and other translations. Here are some things that I found. In the CEB, it says capture. In the DRA, bringing into captivity. In the message, fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of life shaped by Christ. Like we're taking control of it, right? I hear that in the message for sure. The NCB, we compel every thought to surrender in obedience to Christ. I loved that one. We compel every thought to surrender in obedience to Christ. The NIRV, I keep every thought under control in order to make it obey Christ. The NLV, we take hold of every thought and make it obey Christ. And the NTE, we take every thought prisoner and make it obey the Messiah. I just love this empowering command that I think so often we feel like our thoughts are beyond something we can control. Like we have no way to tell our thoughts where to go or the boundaries that they can have or anything. And yet Paul is saying very clearly, we have a lot of control and responsibility in what we are thinking about and what we're dwelling on. I just get this image of take the thought captive. So it doesn't mean that our thoughts won't lead us somewhere astray. Or I know I think about for myself so often, I'm prone to negative self-talk and it doesn't mean I'll never have those thoughts enter my mind or won't entertain them. But when I feel myself going this way, that way, I can take those thoughts captive and make them, require them to surrender to and align with Christ's thinking, Christ's example, Christ's declaration of how he sees me as his daughter. And that's big. That's big for me. I think I'm guessing it probably is for you too today. You can take those wandering thoughts and make them submit. Part two is to research the original word. The Strong's number is G0163. And I'm going to take a stab at saying this Greek word. I believe it's akmaltizo. And it means to make captive, to lead away captive, or to bring into captivity. The Vines Dictionary says that it means to subjugate, or to bring under control. And I had to look up subjugate. And because it's one of those words, I know I say this all the time, like I knew what it meant, but what does it really mean when I'm studying deeper? I'm like, what does that mean? And subjugate means to forcibly impose obedience or servitude. I, that's a lot. That's a lot of influence or control or power that we have over our own thinking. Like we can forcibly impose, we can take that thing that's starting to wander and say, "Uh, uh, uh-uh-uh, you are crossing the line and you need to come back this way. The Theological Dictionary of the New Testament said this, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but it said, someone held captive is a miserable person who stands in special need of God's help. The exile made this word for captive particularly understood in religious terms, and this would be for Paul's audience. In the New Testament, the freeing of prisoners is sought so earnestly that sometimes it is attributed to divine miracle. So when someone is captive, it often takes a miracle of God for them to be released. And I take that to mean for us that Paul is telling us to imprison these thoughts in a way they are not easily freed, right? They knew 
knew that being freed from slavery was like a divine act. It often took a miracle of God. And so we're wanting to put these thoughts away in a place that they are not going to be easily unlocked, right? They're not going to be easily untamed. We want them to be subject to God and only released in a way that is pleasing to and aligns with what God would have us thinking about. Part three is to read some commentary, and I'm going to read a couple of things from the Enduring Word commentary. First, it says, when we start to think in this carnal way, we must stop our thoughts, take dominion over them in Jesus, and not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And that's Romans 12, too. It goes on to say, we're not helpless victims or recipients of our thoughts. We can choose to stop our thoughts and bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Thoughts of lust, thoughts of anger, thoughts of fear, thoughts of greed, bitter thoughts, evil thoughts. They are part of every thought that may be and must be brought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So I was talking about that negative self-talk that I need to remember to keep in, like I always say, keep it between the ditches, right? Like it needs to not wander into territory it doesn't belong. It's one thing to assess, it's one thing to evaluate, and it's one thing to talk to myself like I'm stupid. I wouldn't talk to my children that way. I learned this from Brene Brown. She said, I heard her say at one point in a in a book or something that I was listening to, um, that if we wouldn't talk to people that we love in the tone that we're talking to ourselves, then we don't need to talk to ourselves that way either. And so that's like a stumbling block for me sometimes. And I think about that a lot as I'm studying this verse. But another thing that I do, oh, I almost hate to admit this. Okay. Another thing that I do is sometimes when I've been offended or when I've been wronged, or even when I just feel like someone spoke to me in a way that was like cutting me down, I can play these scenes out in my mind where I tell them, what I'm thinking or where I put them down or will I have an opportunity to get the one up on them or whatever. Do you know what I'm thinking? And I, I, I don't do that. Like I used to do. I will say that, but I will not say that I never do that anymore because I think, Oh, if I had the opportunity, I would say, and then they would say, and then I would say, right. And that's not helpful either. That is not encouraging me to offer forgiveness or compassion to move on, to take that hurt to God instead of just dwelling on it inside myself, uh, to grow in my ability to be offended less frequently, less easily. Um, And so that's another place that as I'm reading this commentary, I'm just very aware that I can, if I feel myself starting down in that direction, I can say, no, this is not helpful for me. This is not helpful for anyone. And I can stop that and put my thinking, lead my thinking in a different direction. One more thing from the enduring word. Someone might object. I don't want my thoughts to be captive to anyone. I don't want my thoughts to be captive to Jesus. I want my thoughts to be free. This is wrong. It says on at least two points. First, you belong to someone. And ultimately we either serve Jesus or Satan. Secondly, if you are a Christian, you are a purchased possession of Jesus Christ and you belong to him. And if we belong to him, every part of us belongs to him, even our thoughts. Paul Barnett says this, it's kind of a mouthful. So stay with me for just a second. He says, we do well to follow Paul in his realistic estimate of the entrenched power of unbelief and pride in the human mind. 
Only the right weapons will subdue and capture this profound, fortified rebel who places himself over God, and those right weapons are the words of the gospel. And so he's saying we all do it, right? We all have thoughts of unbelief. We all have thoughts of pride. We all have thoughts of things like, I think I know better than God. We might not say it that way, but we are trying to tell God how to run our lives or how to assist us in running our lives and all of those things. And Paul Barnett is saying that those are powerful weapons. We have those thoughts in our mind. And the only weapons that are going to take that down is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? It's the love and grace that God has for us. It's remembering that his mercy is new every morning. It's fully trusting him and in that full trust of him, becoming more fully surrendered to him as we grow and are sanctified in our spiritual walk. Part four is to rewrite the verse in our own words. And here it is one more time from the NIV. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And I rewrote the verse this way. Watch for where your thoughts are crossing boundaries and following the lies of Satan instead of the truth of God's promises and character in scripture. Go after them. Pull them back into submission to the gospel truth. Part three in the method is to find the characteristics of God. And I found that he is true. That one stood out to me. That his guidance will never lead me astray. And that he is strong. It's in his greater strength that I will control what threatens to control me. In the early years of my marriage, before we had Alex, because after we had Alex, I would be more distracted with mothering responsibilities. But before that, I can remember quite frequently if Matt and I were in the car for any length of time, and sometimes Matt would be prone to times of silence when we were driving, unless I prompted him to keep talking, poor Matt. But if he had fallen silent and I was left alone to my thoughts, we could be sitting in the car just driving and I would begin to cry. And I didn't really understand in those younger years why I would be moved to crying when there was no conversation going on at all. But now I realize that it was because what I was thinking brought feelings of shame and they reminded me of hurts. And I was dwelling on things from my past. I was running over my shortcomings in my mind. Um, Other times I would get angry for the same, you know, a different train of thought, but the same negative result. And I think about that now and how much sweeter it is for God to call me in time of silence to thoughts of gratitude, to thoughts of praise. Now, of course, I do this imperfectly. Um, When I'm walking around my campus lake or my neighborhood or something to be noticing him in the nature around me or in conversations that I hear or in the wind even that's blowing anything like that, to be able to meditate on scripture that is so precious to me and to be able to have something else fill my mind other than things that lead me to a place of feeling sorry for myself or feeling rejected or feeling wronged and ultimately feeling unseen. God sees me. God sees you. And when we can think on the truth, the strength, the love, the power of God, our thoughts will not lead us astray 
into territory that kicks our thinking out of alignment with God, uh, with God's promises and with his character. So I don't know if that helps anyone today, but it has helped me so much to be aware of and in charge of where my thoughts are taking me. Step four in the method is to identify the lie of the enemy. And what stands out to me as I'm studying today is the enemy saying this way, follow this way. This is the right way of thinking. This is the right line of thinking. This way of thinking will get you to where you want to go, right? For me, it's things like comparison and shame and self-doubt and recycling hurtful memories, what I was just talking about in the car. Um, Those are the things that do not lead to victory. I am not focusing on hope. I am not focusing on God's love. And right now I'm recalling Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And so when we don't know what to think about, when we feel our mind going in a not good direction, we can take those thoughts captive by what? By thinking about things that are noble, by thinking about things that are true, that are right, that are pure, that are lovely. We can think on those things. And I just encourage you, friend, if you know that this is a place where it may be some kind of stronghold or where the enemy has an upper hand or you know you do this or you can relate to my younger self with her thoughts running wild and ending up in tears or very angry even when nothing has been said. I encourage you to put together a little toolbox. What are some characteristics of God? We study them every week here. What are some characteristics of God that you can hold on to? What are the memories of his faithfulness in your life, in the life of others, in the heroes in the Bible that you can hold on to? What is some praise music that really speaks to you? When you, when you feel your thoughts sliding down a slippery sm- slope, you have those saved on your phone and you can go to them. What are some things like that that you can do so that you can actively take those thoughts captive. You can do this. You can do it. Step five in the method is called So What, where we make note of a key takeaway. And for me, I wrote this when I'm feeling anxious, ashamed, confused, unclear. I can ask myself, where have I allowed my thoughts to wander? Then in the name of Jesus, I can call them back to be surrendered to the voice of God. Where have my thoughts wandered and I can call them back. I love the Casting Crowns song. It's an oldie, but a good goodie. Um, it's called The Voice of Truth. If you haven't heard that or haven't heard it in a while, I will link that in today's show notes as well. But it says, the voice of truth tells me a different story than the world does. The voice of truth says, do not be afraid. And so often, and that's the enemy's lie, he is telling us, be afraid. Be afraid this thing that happened to you, you'll never overcome. Or be afraid this bad thing is going to happen to you. Or be afraid of whatever else it is, right? But the voice of truth, God's voice, continually says, I love you. You are safe with me. 
I'd love to hear your takeaway. If you have one, reach out, email me anytime at steadyonpodcast at gmail.com. If you haven't yet, I'd be so grateful if you would subscribe to the podcast on whatever directory you're using to listen. It only takes a second and it guarantees you will receive every episode as soon as they drop. And if someone happened to come to mind today, I would love it if you would share this episode with them. Inviting them into what we're doing here is another wonderful way to support the show. I encourage you to tune in on Wednesday when Kelly Ballari will be my guest. Kelly and I talked about the importance of paying attention to what we're thinking about and how to discern which of our thoughts are aligning with the enemy and which are aligning with God. And Kelly's teaching and testimony will be our Live It Out on 2 Corinthians 10, 5. Thank you so much for listening. I pray wherever your day takes you, you are walking in the confident knowledge that you are a beloved, cherished child of God. Peace.